Good morning, my name is Ricky. I'm one of the pastors that serves here. Uh, good to be with you guys today. Uh, in March, my family and I, we went to the Grand Canyon. Now, I don't know if you've seen the Grand Canyon, but it is, in fact, grand. It is, I mean, it's huge. I mean, you get up to it, and, and you kind of know people have said things and, and whatnot, and you get up to it, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And it is, it's like a mile down from the top of it, and you'll see there's these cliffs, and then there's these slants, and it just keeps going, cliff, slant, cliff, slant, all the way down to, and you just look all the way there at the bottom, there is this, this, you know, this river, but it looks super tiny down there, and it's, and it's kind of intimidating when you stand there up at the top, and there's these amazing colors of just red and all of this. It's, it's really breathtaking. Now, as I'm describing that, maybe you're thinking, hey, Ricky, that's kind of nice that you're telling us about the Grand Canyon and, and what it looks like and, and how grand it is, and, and hey, that's great, but you know what? It, it, do you have a picture or something? Because it's one thing to hear about how it looks, but then it's another to actually just see it and to see what it looks like. Um, you know, and, and I would agree with that. Um, you, you probably would be like, hey, I would like to hear it, or not just hear about it, I would like to see it. And if it's that way with the Grand Canyon, how much more is it that way with the gospel of Jesus? We, we can hear about how good God is and how, how loving he is, but man, it's another thing to actually see his love lived out through others. We can hear about, man, Jesus can change your life, but then it's another thing to see, man, look how Jesus has actually changed that person's life. And you see it right in front of your face. And yes, we do need to share the gospel message and about how Jesus has paid the price for sin, how we can be made right through Jesus alone, through faith alone, by His grace alone. We do need to hear that message. But it becomes a lot more tangible. It becomes a lot more, more real, more impacting, even beautiful, when the goodness of God is not just talked about, but also when you could see it. And that's what we're going to be looking at today is how do we also just see the goodness of God, the gospel on display. So if you've got a Bible, open up to Titus chapter 2. It is in the New Testament, so it's pretty far back there. Um, Titus 2. And um, <clears throat> excuse me, look here at verse 1. And it says, But you are to proclaim things consistent with sound teaching. So look at how this verse starts off. He says, but you, you, however, and Paul just got describing all of the people that are in Crete, how they're liars, these lazy gluttons, evil talkers. They're out there for their own shameful game. They're disobedient. And it says they're detestable. They profess to know God. He says it right there at the end of 16. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. And so he's saying, hey, the, the, yeah, there's these people. They say they kind of believe in God. There's the world around you. But they, don't, they deny them by how they live. They deny them by their actions. And so then he's saying, hey, you're just supposed to look different. This is the people around you. But as for you, man, you live differently. Your life looks different than those around you. And all, again, all of this is coming out of, he says, you know, with sound doctrine. That's the gospel. Teach the gospel, and then because you're, you're believing the gospel, your life actually looks different because of the gospel. And, um, and, and so this is in response to what Jesus has done for us. I mean, think of it 
if the Huskers win a game, I mean, and maybe it's not as often as it used to be, but let's just say, you know, they, win, they won yesterday. Um, you know, but think of when the Huskers win, and, and you're just like, I mean, there's somebody next to you, and you have no idea who they are, and you're, you're like, yeah, oh gosh, yeah, hugging each other, oh hey, COVID, I don't know, hey, you know, high-fiving people, whatever, and, and you're, you're responding to a victory that's happened somewhere else that you did nothing to contribute to. And that's, that's what it, how it is with the gospel. It's like, oh, wait a minute, Jesus has won us the victory. Jesus paid the price for sin. And because of what he's done, we're responding in how we live, in, in the new people that he's made us to be. And so everything in our lives are, is reshaped by our experience in the gospel. And so the first point that we see in this is just the difference of God's people. The difference of God's people. And now I'm not going to hit every single one of these that it talks about in this passage uh, just because of time, but... I definitely want to emphasize what's kind of underneath this. And also notice the community that's happening here. That, that, that the more mature in the faith are pouring into the ones that are less mature. And, and you know, so if you are somebody that is more mature in the faith, then I'd say grab somebody that's less mature than you. Maybe that's a newer believer. Uh, if you're like, man, I don't really know my Bible well at all, and, and I really want to grow in Christ, I'd say just grab somebody, find somebody. I know that's like, well, hey... That feels kind of weird and intimidating, but hey, we're doing this together. We want to encourage each other in the faith. So uh, verse, verse 2, he's like, hey, uh, you're going to look different than the world um, because of the gospel, and then he addresses kind of these groups of people. So it says, older men are to be self-controlled, worthy of respect, sensible, sound in the faith, love, and endurance. And he starts off with these, these older men, and this is kind of contrast again with the Cretans. He's like, hey, the Cretans are these lazy gluttons. They eat whatever they want. They do whatever they want. But hey, you're going to be self-controlled. You're not going to just give in to anything that you want. Um, be of sound mind. And, and self-control, he actually lists it with um, every group here. But he's like, hey, just be self-controlled. Don't just be given over to whatever you want. Don't be given over just to your career, making more, accomplishing more, given over to your hobbies um, all the time. Uh, those things are fine. But hey, be self-controlled worthy of respect. Be someone that younger men can actually look up to and follow and be like, hey, that's a, that's a good person, a good role model for me to follow. And then he says love. Um, and then with older men, sometimes they could get kind of grumpy, maybe, I don't know. Or if you're like, I don't like that. Well, maybe it's you. Um, you know, um, but, but he's like, hey, older men, be, your, your life should be just exuding with love with this gentleness, with this humility, because more of Jesus has gotten into you, have you as you walked with Jesus and, and grown in Him, more of Him has gotten into you. And so that just is coming out of your life. That you're loving uh, to, the, to the people around you. You're not rigid. You're not complaining all the time. Hey, this is not the way that it used to be when I was young. Um, all those things. So, But here's the main one that I want to focus on with, with older men is this, and it says, and endurance. The... Many times older men can feel like, hey, you know what? The last part of my life, I could just kind of coast. You know, I've put in my time, I've done my work, maybe I'm retired, all those things, and now, hey, it's, it's just golf cart time, and it's great, and I can just, just kind of chill. Um, but I'd say this, hey, if you're not dead, God's not done with you, right? I mean, if you're still here, God is not done doing things in you and through you. You're still a part of what God is doing. And so, now here's a question. It's not just, just for older men, but this. Are you content with being on the sidelines? 
Are you, are you running with endurance? Or are you just kind of like, you know what, it's fine, let somebody else do it. And it's okay. Or is there this endurance, this, hey, just keep, let's keep going, let's keep leaning in, let's keep moving forward. Or are you just kind of chilling? And if you are an, a more older man that's mature in the faith, or at least, at least a little bit, more mature in, in experience, hey, you know what, fine, like, you're still in the game. You're still part of what God wants to do. And so find somebody. Bring somebody along with you and just say like, hey, let, let's, let's do some life together. Let's pursue Jesus together. You know what? I don't even know what I'm doing. You know what? That's fine. Just you're still part of what God is doing. And so keep going with endurance. Verse 3, he, he goes to older women. In the same way, older women are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders, not slaves to excessive drinking. That's kind of the self-control that he's talking about. Hey, you just can't give yourself over to... Drinking a bunch or a bunch of wine, stuff like that. They are to teach what is good. And so, uh, where it says they, they are to be reverent behavior, they're to take God seriously. Be focused on Him. Where it says, not slanders, not, not people that just gossip. I think it could be easy um, for, for people to just kind of look down on others. Man, hey, that's not how I would parent my kids. Man. Can't, can't believe they're doing that, right? I mean, we, I know that sometimes younger women can feel a little bit like, what, what are these older ladies thinking? Oh, my kid's misbehaving. What are they thinking? Man, you know, you just need to be consistent. You just need to do this, and you just need to do that. Um, and maybe they do. I don't know. Um, but, but, you know, it's just like, hey, this is not what's coming out of you. This is this slandery, gossip type of, of language. Hey, look at the way that so-and-so dresses. You know, to flip this, of what would, what would this look like positively is to build others up. That you're encouraging the people around you. Um, not focusing on what is wrong, but encouraging them. Um, think about what the Word says um, or here in Colossians 4, 6. It says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. And so these, these older women that are mature in the faith, they're to, th- this this encouragement is to come out of them. They're not slanderers. And then it says, and to teach, they're to teach the younger women what is good. And then verse 4. Um, so they're to teach what is good so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands and to love their children, to be self-controlled, pure, workers at home, kind, and in submission to their husbands so that God's word may not be slandered. So this is like the super fun part that we're all looking forward to, right? Yay! Um, you know, what is Paul saying here when he just says, hey, they're to, um, you know, be, be workers at home there. Um, <clears throat> working at home and being busy in, in, in the home where what he talked, he's talking about here, he's not saying, hey, you can't work outside of the home. You can't have a job. There's multiple places in scriptures that it affirms that for women. I mean, Proverbs 31, a wife of noble character. You know, speaking of, of, of her, and it, it applauds her for buying good fields, um, for having success in, in, in trade and in business. And, and, and so, again, that, that's, Paul's not saying, hey, you just only could be at home all the time. Um, again, remember what Paul is writing, saying, hey, this is what the Cretans are, the, the people on the island of Crete, this is what they look like, but hey, not with you. You're to look different. And so when he's saying here that, Hey, be self-controlled, pure, workers at home, kind. Um, I think of it, I never actually watched this show, so I could be terribly mistaken, but at least what I think of it, the, there's a show called the, the Real Housewives of Orange County. 
And um, at least how I imagine that show is that these, these ladies just kind of like hang out all the time, um, not really being intentional with their kids, and they're just kind of chugging margaritas a lot, and just kind of like, oh, did you hear about this? Did you hear about that? And everything like that. And they're just kind of not really active at home. They're not intentional with anything that's going on with their family or anything like that. And they're just kind of lazy there. And, and, um, and so Paul is saying, hey, like, that's, that's not what I want you to look like. I want you to look different than what, what the world around you is doing. And hey, the, the, there's these ladies, you know, because it says in... Um, Earlier in chapter 1, they're just lazy gluttons. They're just eating whatever they want, and they're just doing nothing. Hey, but for you, hey, be intentional at the home. Hey, you could work outside of the home. That's totally fine. But hey, are you actually taking care of, of your primary responsibilities with your family? Um, and now, I think for us today, that there, there can be some of that. But I think maybe, you know, if we said, hey, but as for you, I think that there's this tendency for ladies to actually maybe go to go the opposite way, to where it's like, hey, I'm actually super active in the home, and we, it's easy to find their identity and how clean their house is, or, to, or how well their kids are behaving. And I just encourage you, like, hey, that, that, that's not what it, it's not saying, hey, find your identity in, in how well you're doing stuff at the home. It's just saying, hey, be intentional with that. Um, don't work nonstop, but hey, be intentional with what is going on there. And so, uh, if you're a working mom, don't feel bad for having a career. Don't feel bad for that. If you uh, are a stay-at-home mom, don't feel bad at that for either. You know, don't look down on, on the people that are working outside of the home. Don't look down on the people that are working in the home. Um, and I know in our culture that can be hard because we really define ourselves by what we do. I mean, we, we meet somebody, hey, what's your name? Where are you from? What do you do? Right? That's the first thing. And then that can feel like, oh, man, if, am I less than if I... Just say, well, hey, I work at home. I'm a stay-at-home mom or anything like that. But, but know that, hey, your identity is in Christ, in your new life and what he has done for you. And so your, your primary goal, whether it's in a career that you work outside of the home or it's you know, working, not getting paid to work at home, um, your, your identity is, is, is in Christ and your life is to not fulfill yourself, whether it's to fulfill yourself with your kids or to fulfill yourself with a career. You fulfill yourself in what Christ has called you to do. You find your, your fulfillment in serving Jesus. And, and, and if you are working at home, that, that's, again, and, and you're just with the kids and you're a stay-at-home mom, hey, that's awesome. I mean, Jesus was serving God, washing the disciples' feet, their dirty feet. And if Jesus could be serving God doing that, you could surely be doing that wiping snotty noses. Right? And so he's, here he's just saying, hey, don't be like the world where they're lazy, they're not intentional with what they're doing, they're not taking care of, of their families. Hey, with you, be, be intentional with what you're doing at home. And, and this doesn't mean that dads, hey, um, that you just get to kind of do whatever you want, and you just get to be about your career. Uh, or, or that, hey, your wife just, she gets to be busy at home and you get to not be busy at home. And she does all the chores and all of these things and you get to do with, what, you know, you, with whatever you want to with your time. Be intentional with your kids, man. Help out. Do, do, you know, contribute to do this. And if you need to take fewer golf outings so that you could be intentional with your, your family, take fewer golf outings. That's okay. And some of you guys are like, man, I can't believe we came here this morning. Um, but 
<clears throat> you know, chip in and, and help with what uh, is going on in the home. And so um, he continues to instruct these younger women here. And he says, hey, we're workers at home, kind and in submission to their husbands so that God's word may not be slandered. And so, yeah, he just says, hey, young women, be subject or be submissive to their husbands. So I think that seems pretty self-explanatory. We could kind of keep going. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, because you guys couldn't even take the joke because you're like, what is he going to say? Oh, hey, we could just keep going. No, what is he going to say? Um, right. And let's admit, when we read that, hey, wives, be subject to your husbands. Be in submission to your husbands. That feels kind of weird. We don't, we don't. That, that feels like this harsh word, submit or be subject to. So let's just first talk about, hey, what doesn't this mean? Um, I mean, marriage is a partnership. And so when we hear that word submit, we think, oh, so somebody's in charge, somebody's the boss, and then somebody else is beneath them submitting. And, and so if that's what it's telling the wife, then, then, hey, does that just mean that she has to kind of, well, just fall in line, just do whatever he says, what, whatever you like, husband, um, that's not what's, what's going on here. Sun, submission doesn't mean that you don't have an opinion. Submission doesn't mean that, that you can't say things or anything like that. That's not what it's talking about. Again, Proverbs 31, it says that she considers a field and she buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. That doesn't sound like to me like a woman that's just waiting at home, cooking and cleaning, waiting for her man to get home to give him a back rub. Right? Is it, it doesn't mean that, and also just to make sure that, hey, wives submit you know, to your husbands, that doesn't mean that you need to just live in an abusive relationship. If you're in an abusive relationship that is physically abusive, emotionally abusive, psychologically abusive, and, 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 and for you or your children and you're being threatened, I'd just say you need to get some distance out of that. Like, you, you need to not stay in that environment if you're being abused. And I know that sometimes people have used this scripture or other scriptures to be like, you need to submit so you could just stay there. That is not what the Word of God is saying. And so if you are in some sort of situation like that, please let us know. We would love to come alongside of you, help you in that. And if you are a guy that is actually using your power or authority to manipulate your your wife or a woman, and abuse her, you have no right. Zero right to treat a child of God like that. She is made in the image of God. And I would just say like, hey, there's something that is going on in your heart that is wrong. That you think that you just have the license to do that. And if that is you, I would just say, come clean. Because you need help too. Come to us and be like, hey, you know what? I have been living like this and I don't know what to do. We would love to come alongside of you to that and, and help you grow and heal in that. And so, um, he, he's not talking about, hey, just submit in, in every circumstance and just take, take the abuse, take all of those things. He's not saying, hey, don't have an opinion. Um, and, it, you know, he's, he's not saying... Um, you know, that, that, that there's this kind of boss relationship. That's not what he's talking about here, that you're inferior to your husband. And so just to kind of clear up, hey, what, that's not what he's saying, but then you're like, well, what is he saying? Um, 
And I'll admit when it's like, hey, what does this look like, Ricky, in your marriage all the time? Hey, Tuesday, what does this look like? You know what? I don't, I don't always know. I'll, I'll just be honest with you. Like, I don't know. I mean, I've been married 16 years, and there's never been a time where I'm like, hey, Christy, you know what? You know what the Word of God says, so time to just submit to this thing. Like, and she's, she's never said that to me of like, hey, well, I'll just submit. Right? See, I mean, that's just never happened. But, so what does this look like? You know, I think of it like a four-way stop. And if two cars come to a four-way stop at the same time, each has equal right to go first. You know, but it's like, well, we arrived here at the same time, so what are we going to do? And in this situation, I just say, like, hey, then, then a person's just like, hey, we have equal right, we're, we're equal value, all that, but hey, I'm going to yield. I'll yield the right away to you. And an example of this is when I was transitioning, I used to be uh, a youth director, and um, you know, I knew that we knew, we knew that God was leading us, me out of that, and leading us out of this church. And so we started looking around at different jobs, and it was between three church, three jobs. One of them was in Iowa, one was uh, at a job in between here in Omaha, and one was at City Light. And um, you know, Christy and I were praying about it, and the one, I mean, the one in Iowa got eliminated pretty quick because Iowa. Uh, you know, like, I don't, I don't know if God's, I don't know if God's over there. Um, but, uh, Chris and I were praying and talking about it and, and there were some differences between, you know, these two options. And, and the one that was between here in Omaha was like, Hey, you, you would have a, a salary, you would have benefits and all of these things. And Hey, at city light, well, Hey, here's a stipend and you could raise money. You know, you could go raise support. And I just finished seminary. We have three kids and it's like, Oh gosh, you know, Chris and I were talking, praying about it. Hey, what do you think? What do you think? And, um, you know, as it goes on for a couple of weeks, I, I'm, I'm just wrestling with it. And I was just like, man, I really, I really just want that church between here and Omaha to actually just kind of back out and be like, ah, actually, we don't really want to go with you. And she's like, well, why would you want that? I was like, because then it would just be so clear. It would just be like, yep, City Light. And she's like, so is that your decision, City Light? And I'm like, no, 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 because, because this is dumb. I mean... Hey, I, I'm, I mean, I think I was 35, 36 years old at the time, and it's like, hey, so I'm gonna, man, I got, I'm just gonna go ask people for money. Like, hey, how are you? It's begin to see you. Hey, so I, uh, you know what? I got to need a salary. So you want to help out with that? For God. And I'm like, man, we got three kids, all this stuff. I was like, but yeah, I, I am, I am thinking that's where God's leading us. And. and and this conversation kind of happened a couple times, and, and after a while, I was just like, but Chris, I, yeah, that is, that is where I'm pretty convinced that we need to go, but what, like, I need to know what you think. And she just goes, oh, I know it's been City Light for a couple weeks now. I'm like, what? I'm like, why, why didn't you just tell me? Like, this would have been way easier. She's like, but I knew that you needed, like, you needed to take time to hear from God, and I trusted you to do that. Now, now if, if I, you know, if I pick something stupid, you know, she's like, what were you thinking with Iowa? Um, that's not that, you know. Like, I know that she would voice her, her thoughts and I would listen to those, but in that, she, she trusted me, she honored me that I would, would listen to her. And, I, and I, just to be clear, when I use that example, I'm not saying in, in this sense of like, hey, and by the way, also underneath this is like, hey, our family is just following my career. That's not what I'm saying. We knew together that God was leading us out of a church that I also worked at, and so that it impacted 
uh, us in that way together. And so this was something that we were doing together. But again, I get it that this, this, is, this is hard and, and it, hey, what does this look like to submit? I mean, Christy and I, we're, we're, we're partners in our marriage and, and I ask her opinion about like everything and then she asked me about my opinion on some things and, and you know what, like, you know, and, and so I get that, that there's this kind of weird. And the reason that many of us don't like this word, you know, submit because it has this harshness to it or, or because, again, we've, we've seen it misused for women to dominate relationships. Um, and sometimes, again, even churches or men, they, they will dominate women and manipulate them in these bad relationships. And that's, that's, that's not okay. That's sinful. And that's bad. Um, but, on, but on the other hand, like, I want to say, like, just speak into the men because if I just speak on, hey, the women, this is their roles, like I want to give clarity to like, hey, there is the other side to this of men and their roles in, in marriage. And I think that there's another one that we've, like, we all agree that like, hey, men dominating women and just like, you know, keeping them under their thumb, that's not okay. But I think actually maybe a more prevalent um, thing that we see with men today is men are passive. I don't mean the opposite is being aggressive, but I mean men that are just loafing. And just not doing anything, not stepping up, not taking initiative. And we, we many times just allow men to be lazy and bums. And I just say, men, that your, your job is to not dominate your woman or your wife. That sounded weird. And, or anything like that. Um, but, and it's not to just like let her just do whatever, like, and just be a bum. In Ephesians 5, it says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, and gave himself for her. Your role, men, is to place the needs of your wife, your family, above your owns every day. Every day. And so that, that as, like, if she sees a man, a husband, that is like, hey, it is not about me, it is about you, I will place your needs, I will deny myself for you to thrive, for you to know Jesus, for our kids to thrive, I will do that. Hey, that's a lot easier to actually be like, hey, I trust you in that. And so, men, be intentional in loving your wives, helping her to flourish in knowing Jesus, helping your kids to be discipled. And I know that sometimes guys will say like, hey, but my wife knows more about the Bible than me. First off, awesome. Your wife's a stud. That's great. I'm glad that she really knows the Word of God. But if she knows the Word of God more than you, that doesn't mean that you get a punt on your responsibilities and do nothing. Your job is to be intentional and to love your wife, to love your family and be like, hey, not about me. This is about you and your needs and you, you die to yourself for her every day. In, in in the Garden of Eden, Adam's job was to protect and to care for Eve. And when she ate of that fruit, it's really interesting because you know, we think like, oh, she was deceived and she ate the fruit. But at the end of that, it says that she ate the fruit and then she took some and gave it to her husband who was with her. So as, as Satan, as the serpent is tempting and deceiving her, Adam is sitting there doing nothing. When he should have like grabbed, I don't know, invented a shovel or something and then like went and handled business and took that snake out behind the woodshed. Right? Or to be like, hey, if that snake's going to bite somebody, if somebody steps in, it's going to bite me, not you. 
Instead, he just sat there and did nothing. And so men, like husbands, love your wives. And if you're single and you're like, hey, don't just wait for yourself to suddenly become a sacrificial man when you get married. Don't just wait for that. God is shaping you now and, 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 and lean into that to be like, hey, God, how can I be this kind of man that loves my wife and gives, herself, gives myself for her, places my, her, her needs above my own? Please prepare in me to do that starting right now. Because when you get married, you don't find out like, oh my gosh, I am way more sacrificial than I thought. Like you get married and you're like, man, I am pretty selfish. Gosh, this does not always come easy. And so, um, you know, uh, and, and this might seem odd, but I think that the world finds this actually compelling when it's like, hey, these people's marriages look different than the rest of the world. Look at how they love, respect, mutually honor, submit to, sacrifice themselves for one another. And so he's, he's talking um, to them about, hey, this looks different. And then in verse um, six, in, in the same way, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. And so this is the only thing that he really tells young men, because this probably sums up what they all need to do. Hey, you know what? Just be self-controlled. You know, be of sound mind. Your brain tells you to do a lot of dumb things. Don't be listening to it. it, it, it be, be of sound mind in this. Don't just do whatever you think. Don't do whatever you feel like. Your emotions or your brain can be wrong. And so, hey, be self-controlled. Take them to Christ. Submit them to Christ. You might not have the, the right motives. I mean, young guys, it's like, hey, we could just quit a job on a whim. We could just give in to, maybe it's just like physical desires or, or, or lust or things like that. And he's like, hey, don't just give yourself over to whatever you want. Hey, you're a new person in Jesus. Man, hey, be self-controlled. Control your lust. Take your, those thoughts captive um, to Christ. And then... Um, then he, he addresses another group, verse 9. says this, Slaves are to submit to their masters in everything and be well-pleasing, not talking back or stealing, but demonstrating utter faithfulness. And so unlike slavery in the Americas, in the United Kingdom that rose up uh, in the 1600s, slavery in the ancient world really wasn't about race. It crossed everything. It's just like anybody, every, anybody and everybody could be a slave. And so race didn't really matter in that uh, for the most part. And so Paul here, he's, he's not saying, hey, slavery's okay. No big deal. He's, he's not saying that. Um, but he is wanting to disciple the people and be like, hey, this is how the world operates. In the world, there is slavery. And, and yep, we don't think that that's okay. But hey, you as a person that are operating this, what does it look like to live? Because you might not be able to change your circumstances. But you can change how you live because... Christ is living in you. And so, um, so what does it look like to live this faith out? And for us, it, it, I'd say this looks like the workplace. You know, because when you, and, and I think sometimes we think like, okay, hey, Sunday morning, this is Jesus' time. If I meet with some other Christians or whatever, city group, hey, that's kind of God time. But then tomorrow I go to work and that's just like this separate thing. And our lives are not really meant to be compartmentalized like that. Wherever you go, if you've trusted in Jesus and you're a follower of Christ, wherever you go, you're a follower of Christ. That's who you are. You're a new creation in Christ at the workplace. And because of that, then you live differently as a boss or an employee. At your workplace, you live differently. And so I'd say in this, man, do good work. Do, do, do your job well. In Colossians 3.23, it says, whatever you do, 
Work at with your whole heart as working for the Lord, not for people. Hey, so whatever you're doing, you know, this time tomorrow, if you're at work, hey, you're not there to work for your boss. Or you're, you're not there to be the boss. You're there to glorify Jesus. That's what you, you are there to do. So do your job well. And it says, be well-pleasing, not talking back. So I think we, our, our, our culture has really grown in being very good at criticism and complaining. And, and if you're at the workplace and you're just like, oh man, my boss stinks and this, man, they made me do this, and oh gosh, this stinks. Man, what, how does that look to the rest of the people? Does that look like, man, I wonder what hope they have. Man, their life is so awesome. Right? You, then you lose that ability to be a witness and to point people to Jesus because you look just like everybody else. Everybody else complains. Everybody else slanders. But again, just like how this passage starts off in Titus, he's saying, hey, but as for you, you look different. You, however, man, you look different in the workplace. Man, you are doing your job well. You're doing it with excellence, even if it's really mundane and menial. Hey, you're not talking bad about your bosses. Maybe they are idiots. I don't know. But hey, you live differently in this. And so work hard. Um, now in this, this could feel kind of like a list of do's and don'ts. Hey, be self-controlled. Don't do that. Do this. Don't do that. And, but know where Paul is coming from in this. He's, he started, hey, because of the gospel, with sound doctrine, with, with the teaching of Jesus and what he's done for us. And so the gospel isn't some behavior management program. This isn't some like, hey, higher morality code, try harder, fall in line. The gospel is what Jesus has done for us. And we respond to that gospel. We respond to what Christ has done for us. And so in that, we have just a new life. And Paul's saying, hey, this is what that new life looks like. It looks different than the people around you because you have, you are different. You are no longer who you used to be. You're a new creation in Christ. You have, the, you have the, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. He lives in you. And so, of course, you're going to look different. Hey, let me give you some clarity on what that looks like to, to, yes, out of what Christ has done for you, to live differently. You're a new person. I mean, imagine if somebody, one day, let's say today, if you just suddenly got the ability to fly. I mean, first off, you're like, I'm thinking, that's awesome. Um, you know, and you just suddenly got this ability to fly. Now, if somebody's like, hey, you sh man, fly around. Are you like, man, don't tell me what to do. I mean, I would be like, I'm already flying, man. Of course I'm going to fly. Why? Because I can fly. I, like, I, di I didn't have this ability the other day, last week, to fly. I'm totally going to fly now because this is amazing. This is like, I can fly. And he's saying the same way. Hey, you actually now, because of the power and the presence of God, because you're no longer under the control of sin. You're no longer under the penalty of sin because Jesus paid it all. You're this new creation. Hey, fly, like live differently. Because of what Christ has done for you, you have this new life. This isn't a list of do's and don'ts. This is, hey man, live in, basically be yourself in Christ. Be who you are in Christ because you actually are a new person. And so, so, so know that it's not just that, that a list of do's and don'ts. Now, as you're reading this, some of you might be thinking like, man, my life doesn't really look like this very much. Man, I'm not self-controlled. I don't do this. I don't do that. I do do that where it says not to do that. And, and if you are, one, I get it, that that could maybe be discouraging if you're feeling that. 
But also if you're like, man, but I want my life to look different, I just want to encourage you, hey, that's the, actually the, the Spirit of God moving in your heart right now. That's the Spirit of God like moving you to, to be coming more like Him. And don't think like, hey, this is again, this isn't a checklist. You know, we will mess up. And so we're not going to get all of this at once. And so, you know, pray, ask the Holy Spirit. Ask God, hey, from this, God, how do you want to shape my life today? How do you want to mold me and shape me so that I do look more like Jesus today and tomorrow? And, and God, change my heart. Is there something in me that you just need to shape and mold so that I'm, I'm more like you and so that I live more like Jesus? And so look to him in this. And so Paul, he's pointing out, hey, this is the difference of my people. This is the difference of God's people. They look different than the world around us. And then this is the last thing. And he says, um, he's saying, I want you to look different so that you would display God's goodness. And so that's just the second thing, that, you, that we, we look different so that we might display God's gospel, his goodness. It mentions it three times in this passage. Look at verse 5. At the end of that, it says, um, so that God's word would not be slandered. You, you live differently so that God's word um, isn't slandered, so that people actually are interested in it. They're not discrediting God's word. Verse 8, it says this, um, your message may be sound beyond reproach, so that any opponent will, will be ashamed because he, they don't have anything bad to say about you. Hey, you're living your life differently. You're, 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 you're in, your life looks so you know, genuine and loving, hey, so they have nothing to, something bad to say about you. You're showing Jesus, what the world, what Jesus looks like. And then in verse 10, it says this at the end of it, so that they may adorn the teaching of God our Savior in everything. Man, we, look, we live differently so that Jesus could be put on display. So that his goodness, his love might be not just said or, or told about, but so that it would be seen. So that, man, the the teaching of God, the gospel of God might be adorned so that you might make it look attractive, that you might make it look good. And I think that there's two ways that we kind of struggle with this uh, um, in, in not having God's word. I mean, in verse 5 when it says that, so live differently so that no one despises God's word or, or discredits it. Um, but I think one of those ways is we, we can know the Bible really well. We could be all about sound doctrine but then we cannot be loving. I know people that, you know, in churches and stuff, they get, they get like, hey, this is the truth. Hey, this is, this is, it's this, and it's not that, and everything. And then anytime somebody says something that's a little out of the line, they're just like, that's not what it says. That's not what the Bible means. And they just, you know, they're kind of really quick to criticize people because they're so holding on to the truth. Now, if somebody, if they really know their Bible, but they're a jerk, are you like, man, I want to know God's word more. Just listen to them, talk about it, but they're mean. Let's Let's dig in, right? That doesn't happen. And so, yes, doctrine matters, but watch, you know, watch yourself. Are, are you a person that is just very quick to criticize, really quick to jump on people, to bash them if they don't think like you do? The problem isn't the doctrine, but the problem is your heart and how you live it out. Um, and Paul here is saying, hey, live your life in such a way that people actually are, are interested in God's word. That, that as people are around you and they see how you live your life, there's a little bit of, of a thirst for like, hey, why do you live this way? Why are you like that? And, and so the second way that I think 
But I see this playing out that, that we live our lives in a way that actually has or causes people to not be interested in God's word. Yeah, one of them is just we, we know the doctrine and we just bash people with it. But the other one is like, hey, we, we kind of are spiritually aware of stuff, but we're just really apathetic. You know, we, we're, we're spiritually aware. We, we come to church some. Yeah, I believe in God. But there's nothing actually different about our life at all. Right? We could easily fall into this cycle that, that we're, we don't really care for growing in Christ or knowing Him or anything like that. You know, and if we, if we don't really care about Jesus, then the world won't, won't really care about Him either. This is what theologian uh, Russell Moore said. He said, young people are walking away from the church and Christianity not because they don't believe what the church teaches, but because it seems like the church really doesn't believe it. And if, if we're just living our lives apathetically and it just seems like, hey, we don't really care about growing in Christ, knowing Him, that's not a very compelling thing. And I'd say the biggest threat to, to Christianity and the advancement of God's kingdom is not atheism. I also don't think it's government policy or stifling Christianity out. I'd say the biggest threat to Christianity is just apathetic Christians. That we're just like, well, it's just fine. Yeah, I go to church some. Hey, it's fine if I don't really get to know Jesus more, growing community, confessing sin, pointing ourselves to truth. And if I don't actually look differently at all. But again, what, what does Paul say here? Hey, live your life differently so that you may adorn the teaching of God our Savior in everything. And so that in everything, you're, you're in a way helping point people to Jesus and, and making the gospel come alive and look appealing, to look good. This is what Matthew 5.16 says. It says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And we can make the gospel of Jesus look attractive because we're living differently than the world around us. Hey, the world around us, maybe they're slanders, they're, they're super critical, they're, they're, they're liars, all of these things. It's, it's fine, low integrity. But hey, but as for you, man, we're, we're people that are marked by honesty. We're marked by building others up. Not marked by tearing each other down, not by gossiping or, or putting others down, but man, we actually look different. And so today, what does this look like for you? What does this look like for you that you would live your life differently because of the gospel of Jesus, that you live your life differently so that you may adorn Christ our Savior in everything? What does that look like for you today? What does it look like for you tomorrow? Maybe it does look differently in just how we interact in our relationships. Maybe, maybe it is in, in our marriages. I mean, in, in your marriage, is, is there an attractiveness to it because of how you mutually love, honor one another that people are like, wow, that looks... I don't know what it is about that, but the world doesn't operate like that. that, that, that there's some appealing there. Maybe it looks in how you, we love one another and just that, that we sacrifice for one another, that we encourage one another. Maybe it's how you conduct your business. Or, or your work, and you do it with excellence, with honesty. Maybe it's, maybe it's just in how you're actually self-controlled. You're not just giving in to every lust, every impulse. You know, because, because you know, man, my ultimate joy is me and not just in getting what I want. My joy is not me and just getting, being happy or just fulfilling myself with these temporary pleasures. Man, my joy is ultimately in Christ. 
And because of that, we get to display the God, God's goodness, who he is. And in church, I would just say, say this, I, man, I've seen you live this out. I, 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 years ago, Christy and I, my wife, we said, man, we always wanted to be part of a church that it would be like, hey, would we be a part of the church if I didn't work at it? We said that that was always a, a hope and a desire of ours. Like, hey, if I, w- if I didn't work at that church, we'd still, be, we'd still want to belong to it. And I just say, like, thank you for that gift. Because if I didn't work here, I, w- I would be like, that is exactly what I want to be a part of. God is doing something. God is doing something in and through you. And I'm like, hey, this is something that's different. Not, not just for the world, but even different than what I've just seen in churches. I, I see your lives changing. I, 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 I see... I see people that are like, hey, I will sacrifice my comfort, my money to help you in a really tough spot. Hey, I do see older, more mature people saying, hey, I will invest my life into the younger people so that they might come to know Jesus more and more. I see people willing to sacrifice and, and, and just be, and also see you being vulnerable. Just say like, you know what? I'm not perfect. I have some stuff and man, I really struggle with some of these things. And then people saying like, man, hey, how can we just come alongside of you and point you to truth? Because, hey, we're here for you in all of this. And so church, thank you. And great job for just being like people that are living differently and, and that you display God's goodness and that you're, you're adorning God our Savior. And, and it's just such a beautiful thing. And so, you know, th- this is such an, an amazing way for us uh, the, these behaviors that he lists here is, is for us to live out the gospel, for it to be on display, and then know that then there's ministry in the mundane. I mean, know, know that, I mean, if you look at all these relationships here, they're just kind of normal, everyday things, right? He, Paul doesn't say like, hey, and on your next mission trip, do blank, 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 blank. It's just like, hey, basically tomorrow in these relationships, this is what it should look like. And so know that there's ministry in the mundane, everyday faithfulness, Everyday faithfulness with your friends, with your family, with, with your job. Like God could use you in amazing ways just in the very ordinary things of life because of an extraordinary God that we have. And so it's just so cool that we have this opportunity. Again, just to, to kind of recap it or, or to tie it up here. Look at verse 11. So, so Paul starts off with, hey, you look differently because that's in accordance with the, with the gospel of Jesus, with sound doctrine. Hey, this is what this new life looks like with Jesus. And then verse 11, because the grace of God has appeared. Hey, you know how this is lived out? You know how you live a different life? It's because of the grace of Jesus Christ. It's not because, hey, try harder, do better. Hey, all of these things, do this, do that. It's, it's like, no, hey, why do we have different lives? Because of what Jesus has done for us. Jesus paid it all. Jesus' spirit is, is living in us and he... We get to display the grace of Jesus because we've seen the grace of Jesus and what he's done for us on the cross and what he does each, in us each and every day and just pointing us to him and changing us and shaping us to, to know him and to be more like him. Let's pray. Um, Heavenly Father, God, Lord, I, I pray that, um, I know, Lord, that, that as we look at this text, Lord, that we would be actually just encouraged Lord, because you are, you didn't just save us to yourself, Lord, so that we could go to heaven one day, but that you saved us yourself to, Lord, to, to a, 
to a new relationship, to a new family, to a new life, Lord, and that, that this is happening by your grace because of what you've done. And so, Lord, I pray that, Lord, that we just may be encouraged, Lord, in you, your grace, Lord, and, and that, that we can actually be different. And that's for our greatest joy, is to live a life every day, daily, with you. Um, and Lord, so pray that you continue to give us that strength um, to live differently, to display your goodness, to display the gospel. We ask this in your name. Amen.